This is the Build Your Best Family podcast, and today's episode is on money, career, and motherhood with Janice Scholl. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love and become the family you were meant to be. Money can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Many moms would say that talking about money, career, and motherhood together is complicated, while other moms might say it's unladylike or taboo to talk about how much money you have or how you spend it. But maybe the reason that so many women lack confidence in handling finances, both in their business and personal life, is that they're not talking about it enough. Recognizing and possibly rethinking how we view money is essential in creating culture and building your best family. Now, no matter how much money you have, money plays a significant role in how we do life together as a family. And plus, our relationship with money, whether it's healthy or not, trickles down to our kids. Just like the rest of us, my money story began when I was a child. My family didn't have a lot of money, and I was often told that we couldn't afford the things that I wanted. But my parents always found ways for us to travel together, which I'm so grateful for. There were times when we didn't have enough money to heat the house. However, my parents did what they could to make date night a priority. They set an amazing example in that area. And even though money was tight, I remember us being generous with what we had. My understanding of money, honestly, was confusing at best. But then my mom got sick and tired of being in debt, and she began learning how to handle our family's finances better. She started reading books, and I started reading them with her, and it created a pretty decent money foundation for me. But then college happened, and I had very little money when I left for school. And during those next four years, I worked two jobs but still managed to rack up credit card debt buying books, school supplies, and many other things that I had no business buying. Thankfully, after graduation, I found my way back to the sound principles that I had learned early on, and slowly but surely, I worked my way out of both college debt and consumer debt. Now, 20 years later, I am so thankful that I can say that our budget is a reflection of our family's values, and because of it, it frees us up to pay attention to the things that matter most to us. It took multiple discussions with my husband. It took identifying our values, making hard choices, and taking small steps over time to get us where we are today. I can now genuinely say that money is a tool that I use to run my life, and it does not run me. Because of my experience with money, I am so excited about this week's podcast. Our guest, Janice Scholl, is passionate about challenging women's beliefs about money and motherhood so that they can make smart financial decisions. In our conversation, we talked about the steps women can take to get more comfortable with money. We talked about how women can find mentors and advisors in this area. Plus, she shares a simple financial strategy that women can implement in their families. Now, my favorite part of this conversation is when we talked about connecting with others, whether it's a mentor, advisor, or even a friend who can help us. Because just like any other area of our life, I believe that the people that we surround ourselves with can encourage us and help us grow in how we handle our money and career. Now, as you listen to this episode, consider where your views on money came from. And also, I want you to think about who you can partner with to become more comfortable and knowledgeable about this topic and share this episode with them. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. 
It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop, and for only $4.99, you can download the family retreat packet and host your own family retreat. Today, I'm talking with Janice Scholl. Janice has spent her entire career talking about money and business. Through her time as a commercial banker, consultant, and mentor to budding entrepreneurs, she helped clients create solid business and financial strategies to help propel their businesses to success. Her work with aspiring female entrepreneurs led her to start the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast. Janice spends her time helping moms gain confidence and understanding about money, career, and business topics as they relate to motherhood and family. She loves helping mothers implement business and financial strategies within their families to help each family member thrive. Welcome, Janice. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. All right. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is our your family known for? So in our family, we like to say we're up for the challenge. And that's pretty intentional because, you know, I think on the outside, some people would say that we're adventurous, but I would never consider myself an adventurous person. <laughs> um, but we have done some adventurous things. We've lived in two countries other than our native country uh-huh. of the U.S. And, you know, one of the decisions to move was over a weekend. So we kind of do things that are a little different than other families. Uh-huh. But we really just are up for the challenge and love the opportunity to learn and try new things and meet new people. Uh And the other thing I think my husband and I are known for is we're known as the money people. So our friends and family always come to us when they have money or career questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And that's what you're here to talk to us about today. Um, Real quickly, though, where where were the two countries that you lived in? So we lived in Singapore for two years Mm -hmm. and Japan for three years. Oh, wow. Was it hard to go back? I mean, it's exciting to go there, but what's it like to come back? That's what I hear everyone sort of like struggles with. So we call that repatriation. And I think repatriation is much harder than leaving. Now, when we moved back to the U.S., we moved to a different state than um, where we're originally from. So I'm not sure if some of that challenge comes from that, but sometimes I think it's easier because we're starting off in a new place. Mm. So we don't expect everything to be the same. But you expect the challenge and you expect things to be different going there. And you kind of have an idea of what your baseline is, but your baseline changes so fundamentally when you move overseas that reintegrating Mm -hmm. is, is very different than going and expecting that difference. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah, we've gone back and forth. I feel like we had a sweet spot with the ages of our kids where we were like, let's do it, let's do it. And then now my oldest is a junior and then I have a freshman and a a seventh grader and they're kind of like, can we just finish high school? They're kind of like... but at this point, I feel like we could go in school anywhere. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's the the beauty of some of what is happening. The silver lining, if you will, yeah. is that, you know, we're finding ways to be more mobile um, and while we're hunkered down, you know, it's yeah. kind of the opposite. Well, wait a minute. I can work from anywhere. Yeah. So where do I, where do I want anywhere to be? Yeah. Um, and a lot of the kids, you know, there are sweet spots, but I think it depends on each child. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of our friends who had high school students, ours were younger, yeah. um, but a lot of our friends with high school students, those were some of the best years that yeah. they, they just enjoyed their time so much. So I yeah. think it really just depends. 
Yeah. There was a couple of years ago when we traveled abroad and the kids were like, yeah, we would totally come live here. And then yeah. I think like, like I, we just missed the spot because now they're like, yeah, Europe's awesome. But like, no, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're here to talk to us about money. So you have a background in consulting and mentoring and you do some of that now. And you've said that you found that many women are uncomfortable with finances, both in their business and in their personal life. So I want to talk about this because I know there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast. And, um, you know, even some of my friends, they're very uncomfortable with it. They let their husbands handle it. And every family, you know, gets to decide how they want to handle money. Um, But I think no matter who handles the money, I think we should all be comfortable with it. So talk to us about um, why why do you think women find themselves uncomfortable with money? Yeah, you know, and I want to answer this from the different parts of money, if you will, because I think it's really important to recognize that we talk about money and money is huge. And when I talk about money, I include career as well, because for Mm -hmm. women, we often bounce around between different parts of money and career is always part of that discussion, whether we're Mm -hmm. making money outside of the home or we're not, it's still a part of, of what we think about when we think about money. So there's really a few different areas of money, which are the making money part, which, you know, I think as as a culture, we're pretty good at ingraining in kids in school, you know, that that we grow up, we get a career, we make money, we need to take care of ourselves, we need to be independent. And so we've got that part down, but but we really focus so heavily on that, that we relate value to making that money. And in many cases, women take career breaks or they work part-time more often than men do, Mm -hmm. or we're in industries that traditionally are lower paying. So some of the services industries, some childcare industries where we Mm -hmm. dominate just don't have higher paychecks. So Mm -hmm. that I think sets the stage for us to sometimes feel that maybe because we don't make the same amount as our men peers, perhaps, that we don't have the same amount of say when it Mm -hmm. comes to financial discussions. The other part of money is money management. And that's what you usually think of when you think of money. It's it's money management and the next is investing, which I put investing in the next category. But money Mm -hmm. management doesn't always fall under household management, right? So women are known for our extra work that we do within the household often, but money management really is separate and is determined by the individual family and by the comfort comfort level of each person and finances and the dynamics. And since it's not something that we grow up learning in school, since we feel like maybe we have less of a financial say, then a lot of us are really cautious about the money management piece. And that's mm-hmm. really the, you know, making sure there's enough money in the account to pay the bills, you know, that our spending doesn't exceed what we're making and paying the bills on time, right? That's like making sure the flows are happening. Mm-hmm. Then there's the growing the money piece. And to me, growing the money is the investing and also earning potential and starting a business. So any way that you would really make your money work for you. And this is a really, really sore spot for me and where I decided that I really wanted to focus my efforts on helping women with money. So I spent a decade in commercial banking. And, you know, I worked from businesses starting from startups to $2 billion in revenue. Mm-hmm. And often financial teams and established business owners weren't women. There were women, but there weren't as many. It was noticeable. And there mm-hmm. weren't as many women bankers. And so 
I went to grad school with that backdrop of my banking experience. And I took a class, which I know everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, this sounds so exciting. I want to do it. But it was called Financing Commercialization Research. (laughs) It's a joke, right? Like nobody wants to take that class, except I was super excited about that class. So I got into the room and maybe there was a hundred students and I could count on my hands the number that were female. And I was like, well, this is the problem, right? Because we're not getting into that room. So I made it my mission then to find a way to help women learn about finance. And that, you know, the financing piece of business is really important to talk about because VC funding is not going to women. Less than 3% of last year's VC funding went to women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. Now, mixed startup teams, being male and female, uh, they received less than 12% of VC funding. Mm -hmm. So so it's not just that women are uncomfortable with finances in both their business and their personal life. It's that as a society, we are uncomfortable with women from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, And that's something that we're trying to address and we're trying to remedy. Mm-hmm. And there's fewer financial advisors as well. So when you're talking about the business side of growing your money, there are limitations. And then when you're talking about the investing side, there are also limitations. And I've, and I've found that women feel that the financial industry is really singular. It focuses on the money. It doesn't focus on the individual's identity and it doesn't focus on family. Mm-hmm. And so when a woman walks into any advisor's office, whether it's a banker, it's a financial advisor or a business advisor, they feel uncomfortable asking questions when they relate to their personal life or their family. And that mm-hmm. puts us in a position of caution, right? We, and so what I was hearing from women over and over again was, I'm so happy I can ask you this question because I just don't feel comfortable asking it in front of someone else. So mm-hmm. women often have the right questions to ask. Gotcha. They were just not comfortable bringing them to the forefront in front of an audience that they didn't know if they would be receptive really to what they were asking. Yeah. Wow. And then there's the money mindset, which, you know, motherhood and money, you put those two together, there's a whole lot of stuff, right? (laughs) Whether, whether we're making it, whether we're not making it, whether we're making too much of it. Um, and then just all of the beliefs that we believe are facts about money Mm -hmm. that we don't even recognize are just the ingrained patterns of money behaviors that we've learned through our family and through our life. Yeah. And what are some of those things that we've learned that may not be true? So, you know, there's, there's this, uh, the way I look at it is a lot of people in some cases think that money is something that runs them versus Mm. money is something that is a tool that you use to run your life. Yeah. So, so that's a really big one. And I think that culturally we really struggle with that because we let our jobs, like when did our jobs become the thing that our life revolves around and our family, the thing that happens and we can fit it in outside of our job. Yeah. And we do that because of money. We do that because we feel that we need to, Mm -hmm. we we do it for our family because we're trying to provide security. Uh, But but that's, I think, a really big one that, you know, yeah. culturally, we are in this position that we're trying to get out of, but we just sometimes don't know how to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there are other ones where, you know, you'll hear someone, and it can be male or female, but I definitely hear it from women. Oh, I'm just bad at money. I don't, you know, like, I just can't help myself. And, and if you tell yourself that you're bad at something, 
it's really hard to convince yourself that you can learn your way out of it, right? Yeah. Because you think that that's <clears throat> a personality trait when it's not. No, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's math. And I think yes. we're scared of math. I mean, um, I think I shared this with you when I first met you. I can't remember, but um, the the first book I ever really read as a as an adult when I was right out of college was Eight Minutes a Day to like, I forget something about like remaking your money or whatever. Like it basically, the whole premise of the book is that it's our attitude towards money that holds us back. It's actually not the money itself. It's actually not the amount of money we have. It's how we think of it. And it's how we, um, we avoid it. We don't want to like deal with it. We just think it's too much. It's overwhelming. We just don't, you know? And so even though that book taught me some sound principles on managing my money, it was all about like figure out how you can approach money in a different way, like with joy and with confidence. And one of the things they said was turn on music, get a glass of wine to pay your bills. Like stop thinking that this is like the dreadful thing that is awful. You don't know how to do it. You're not capable of it and you'll never figure out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's really, and and that's exactly it because the money management piece, and that's the part that everybody's thinking about. That's pure math, Mm -hmm. but, but it's the, it's the philosophy philosophies that you hold with money. Mm. It's the beliefs about yourself and your relationship with money. Mm. Those are the things that are, you know, that are going to manifest. And so if you want to, if you want money to work for you, then you have to view it as a tool that you decide where it goes. It Mm -hmm. needs to stop being something that directs your life. And you need to find a way to make it work for your life, not be your life. And I find that it's it's just so important to build a strong financial foundation because you know what what's dangerous in that thought is that if you say well okay i'm not like it's not saying i don't care about money right and money's not important money is very important money mm-hmm. we need it for security we need it to take care of our families we need money but if you have a strong financial foundation then that actually frees you up to think about mm-hmm. and focus your energy and time on the things that you care about, like your family, instead of focusing on the money. So ignoring the money actually makes it all about the money. And focusing on the money frees you up to think about the things that you care about. Oh, that's so good. So how how do you help women get comfortable with money? How how do women get comfortable? Yeah. So I think there's a few things. And and first of all, it's recognizing that you're not alone. And I think it it really boils down to getting comfortable Mm -hmm. with the fact that you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, when I explain the different areas of money, I do that for a variety of reasons. And one of them is because I want you to know that nobody is good at all of them. We all have areas to work at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on my podcast, one of the questions I ask everyone is, what is one area of your money life, whether in your business or your personal life, that you have to work on? Because even when I have money experts on there, mm-hmm. I want to demonstrate to everyone listening that there is always room for improvement and each of us has to work on it every day. So yeah. first of all, accept that you're uncomfortable and be comfortable with that. And then it's and then it's build build a team to help you through that. Recognize you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Find a group of women who are like-minded enough in certain ways that you can have an honest dialogue about the money topics that you want to address. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'll give you an example, Um, career and career breaks. So when I was overseas, I was a trailing spouse. My husband had a job and for, for the second country we were in, I was not traditionally employed. And I was really 
trying to make sure that I had access back into my old career path at that time. And I'm like, I'm walking around and I'm stressed out about my job that I don't even have right now. And will I find way back into it? And I realized that I was walking around with all these other people who had the same, who had the same fears and mm-hmm. were thinking the same thoughts. And so when you, yeah. when you build that community, it allows you and empowers you collectively to A, support each other and B, seek the answers out as a team from experts because there's more power in numbers and you just feel more like validated, right? When you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who thought that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I find that I, I don't talk a ton of, with my friends about money. And, but when we do, it's so good to hear different perspectives and to have like those, oh, you're struggling with that too. Or, oh, that is good advice. And I didn't know anybody that does that. So now I have something to think about. And so always being open with one another and finding people that are going after the same goals Mm -hmm. is really fantastic. Yeah. And I think it's, it's super important to pick those people wisely, right? Because Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that it's not going to be a place where you feel judged. Mm -hmm. So it's a selective group, but you know, I find when it comes to money and career, and if you're being genuine about the things that you are good at and not good at, mm-hmm. people people rally behind that because mm-hmm. it is such a common experience. Yeah. So how do women go about finding men? Well, first of all, you mentioned community friends. How do we find friends? And then how do we find mentors or advisors in this area? Yeah. Um, that's probably two questions. <laughs> so let's back up. How do we broach, let's just say, how do we start the conversation with our friends about money? Because I know there is some sort of awkwardness around it. I'm not awkward around it because I do think of it in a very sort of black and white way. Like it's just another thing that needs to be managed in the home. It's just another way that we build culture. It's just, and and I've, I've been there with my finances where I have struggled and I've been in debt and I know what it's like to, to sleep on the floor and eat hot dogs and ramen noodles. And I know what it's like to have three jobs and I'm not scared to talk about money because I fought my way to the place I am now, but I know that it's hard to bring that subject up with people. If you want to start getting deeper into a relationship with a a friend and you want to share that part of your life and work on that, how do you, how do you start that conversation? Well, what I don't recommend is starting it with like, hey, let's talk about your debt structure, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because nobody really wants to talk about that. You know, people do want to talk about the challenges they face and that they've grown out of. So absolutely, mm-hmm. if you have a friend that you know has overcome a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, complimenting someone who you know has worked through an issue whether that be a career or a money situation that you are aware of, you know, someone who's gone through a layoff right now, we know a lot of people who are facing yeah. layoffs, you know, as they work their ways out of the layoff and they find new jobs, support them, rally behind them and then say, Hey, I'm really impressed with what you've done. I'd like to talk to you more about that and mm-hmm. see if they're open because really what you want to do is give people the openness to speak and let them know that you're, you're receptive to it. You don't want to corner people and make them feel like you're going to look at their personal balance sheet. Well, I, I saw you got a brand new car. Why don't you tell me how you got that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, you must be doing good. That is not the way to start. Um, I find for women that career conversations are the easiest way to start a money conversation mm-hmm. because again, 
So I talk about uh, I talk about the difference between what I see men and women think about money as. And for men, it's super singular. It's like we need more money. Got to go mm-hmm. get the money. Gonna focus on the money. For women, it's this bounce of like, well, you know, my kids are on activities. They cost a lot of money. I feel like things have been a little bit tight lately. Gosh, if I'm working, do I need to work more? But I want to spend more time with the family. You know, we get into this cycle mm-hmm. of, you know, am I doing a good job as a mom? because I don't have this money thing figured out perfectly. So, so career is a really easy entryway to mm-hmm. have that conversation. And I find virtually every woman, whether she is a stay-at-home mom, mom and has been since you know the time her child was born and had planned on it, or a woman who is an absolute wonderful force to be reckoned with in the office place, every single one will tell you the philosophy Mm -hmm. that has gotten her to that part of her journey. And then that is the first money conversation you can have. And that's a comfortable one. And then you see what comes from there. So in your case, maybe you would say, you know, well, here's my career path. And part of how I ended up here is because of the challenges I've faced Mm -hmm. and what I've overcome with regards to our finances. Mm. Now a person knows that you're open to talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, like I was, as you were talking, I was thinking there are times with, with many of my close friends and even friends that I don't know super well, I will use, I will talk about money and that, um, so we do like cash envelopes. So all I have to say is, oh, well, oh, we ran out of money in our cash envelopes. So we're not doing that this month. And I kind of like throw it out there. And then you start to see people that are like, well, what does that mean? Or, oh, we just, we don't, we don't have a budget. And then sometimes it opens up like my, me being comfortable sometimes talking about yes. it has has given us the opportunity to them for them to start asking questions and then for me to start asking questions and then us to sort of open up the topic as well. It does. And you know, we we talk about we talk about things different when it comes to money than other people for that exact reason mm-hmm. because we just want people to know that it's like a conscious decision. So right. so much of our buying behavior has been depend it's determined by what we want mm-hmm. but but it's the what we want in that moment it's not the long-term goals what we want and mm-hmm. so what, what we and me and my husband try to do is to explain to people why we're making trade-offs because everything is a yeah. trade-off life is just a series of opportunities opportunity costs mm-hmm. and so I do not drive the nicest car my car is paid off but you know what the money I would be spending in a monthly payment on a car, it, like non-income bearing asset. My car is a non-income bearing yeah. asset. That's the way I think about it. For somebody else, they can care about their car a lot and that's super important to them and that's totally okay. Yeah. But I, I joke about how it's paid off. my car isn't the <laughs> nicest, but, yeah. but guess what else I can do with that cash? And, yeah. and I think that's the, the other thing we try to let people understand is that you know, budgeting in itself, people are like, oh, budgeting. I don't want to, I make enough money that I don't have to budget. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. I don't have to budget. Well, would you ever say no to cash? Would you ne- ever say no? I can guarantee if you are not budgeting, you are spending money in ways that if you looked at it, you'd be like, huh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would decide to do that because we For operate sure. on autopilot so much. Mm-hmm. So I view, I view budgeting. It's just reframing. It's not something that restricts your behavior. It's actually an enabler. Mm-hmm. And so my focus is really on values-based budgeting yes. because I think that when you look at it from that perspective, and it's so important, I think, for women especially to look at it from that perspective, that it creates what you want the money to be. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like when we work with clients, when I work with clients, we talk about their values and we talk about what's important to them. And why I think once you've established what your values are or what your philosophy is around money and how you will choose to view it and use it, it makes it so much easier for you to make decisions. You're not making decisions based on how I'm feeling. Um, like, you know, it's, it's no that you, you eliminate the emotion and the stress around those decisions when you've established your values and you know what you think about money and what you're going to use it for. That's exactly right. And it's, you know, we all need to simplify our decision making because we mm-hmm. feel like we're just figuring out the world every day right now. So yeah. having some, some guidelines to say, no, this is what my family focuses on. And this is where I'm going to put my resources into because of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the next, it's the natural progression. It's the next step from establishing family values. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about how we're, we're not spending our time the way that we want to. And so, you know, we talk about maybe a time assessment or an mm-hmm. analysis to see where are we? Are we spending all of our time scrolling on Facebook? Are we spending all of our time at work? Yeah. Or are we intentionally spending it with our kids, for instance? Mm-hmm. And so what I recommend people do is the exact same activity, but with their money. Mm-hmm. So you track your spending and then you take a look at your values and you compare the two. And a really good example that I like to use with people, because I think it's relatable to most people with school age kids, you know, we, we have lots of activities and I know it looks a little different because of the situation we're in mm-hmm. right now, but yeah. uh, there's no shortage of money being spent on kids activities. And so we feel like we're spending a lot of time with our kids because we're driving them to mm-hmm. soccer or we're going to these activities and we're super busy, but it's not necessarily pa- parent child connection time. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're spending all of our time and our money on activities that the kids might enjoy. You know, it's not to say that it's not valuable time, but what if we reallocated a little bit of our time and money into family activities where Mm -hmm. we are building those connections, where we do feel like we're being more intentional and one-on-one with our kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now that our kids are older, we're definitely able to say things like, okay, so we could choose to do this, or we could choose to to go on that vacation we talked about. Like they know, they know from some of the vacations we've took, we've shared with them the budget because we want them to like not take it for granted. And we want them to know like what like when we say no to something, it's because we are saying yes to something else. And you know, we are having conversations with them about, okay, so like, do you really want to do this activity? You could do this activity. I know there was a time when my son was trying out for these club soccer teams and I was like, it's a huge investment. Mm-hmm. And like, and I said to my husband, you're going to tell me I can't go on vacation because we don't have the money, but really we just weren't thoughtful about where we spent it. And we just rode this wave of everybody in the neighborhood trying to get on the best team. And we just yes. signed up because it's just what you do. I said, we need to step back a moment and say, okay, this is how much money we have and what's more important to us, you know? And so we had to have that conversation and um, we made the decision that we were not going to pursue that, but it helped that he didn't make the team. But (laughs) we weren't going to like try to now scramble and find another team and do three different, four different tryouts and try to get, like, we just decided to take ourselves out of that. And I mean, I'm glad we did. My son is highly, is still highly competitive um, in that sport. And what we've also had is some incredible experiences because we didn't just spend that money just to spend it. You know, yes. we were able to say, okay, this is what's important to us. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and you said something that, that really is so important and you say, it's just what we do. 
Mm-hmm. It's just what we do. And that's what we say so much when we spend our money. Yeah. You know, well, I live in a high cost of living area. I have to have a big mortgage. It's just what we do. Yeah. My kids, my kids go to a school where all the kids are in activities. You know, it's just what we do. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay if it's, if it's working for you. But a lot of us are feeling stressed and overwhelmed and like we're in the hamster. Yeah. Right. And so, so values-based budgeting and really just making it a conscious decision is taking back the control mm-hmm. into your family mm-hmm. and allowing it to be a decision rather than something we just do. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see as um, life goes back to normal, whenever that may be, um, what we're choosing to add back, what we've learned about like, I, I know it's so nice not to be spending the money we were spending before um, on things. It's so nice to not have to be all the different places that we have to be. And so I think we're going to be hesitant to start adding things back right away, whether it's the spending or the use of time. Um, yeah, because I think we're starting to see we don't need it. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't yeah. just have to be something we just do. Yes. And we've, we've had a chance to reconnect in different ways. Um, with our family, you know, Mm -hmm. some of it has been real challenging and some of it has been amazing, Mm -hmm. but I think it does give us the opportunity to reevaluate what's important. And, you know, another woman had said to me, you know, listen to your kids carefully right now about what they miss, because, you know, a lot of the things that we thought that they loved, they're not even talking about. Mm. And so we're hearing what our kids value. And so good. what a great family experience to really hear your kid and what they miss and what they value and add that bit back in. Yeah. You know, our kids are stressed too. We're all stressed out. So let's rebuild based on empowering them to say, Hey, I understand that this was really important to you and we couldn't do it, but now we can, Mm -hmm. but let's not do these other things. So you can really focus your energy on this and whatever else is important to us. Yeah, for sure. All right. So mentors and advisors, that's a little bit different than just establishing relationships with um, our peers and friends in our life that are going through the same things we're going through. How do we find mentors and advisors? So, you know, a lot of it is about networking because I think you have to get through to finding the people who can relate to you on certain important areas. So, you know, depending on which area of money that you are really focused on. So somebody might be like, I got the budget thing down. We're super focused on that. And that's not a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. My, my issue is all about money mindset and, you know, everybody comes to the table with baggage from their family. Even if you had the greatest family when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's okay saying, Hey, these are my circumstances. Here's the area I'm focusing on. Now, how do I find someone who understands this kind of situation that I'm in? that I can relate to. And it's important to be able to relate to them because if it's, if it's someone who has never had your life experience, again, Mm -hmm. women might be cautious to ask the questions that are really on their hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. So from a networking perspective, it does go back to your friends and family and your neighbors and people like that, because I find that women are super hesitant in their personal life to talk about their skills and their professions if they are employed. And, you know, so in working women often say, well, I don't have time for networking, but you do have enough time to be interested in the backgrounds and learn about the people that you know. You Mm -hmm. don't have to do this over happy hours. You just have to know, hey, 
this is my friend, Emily, and I know that her professional experience is in this area. So I'm going to just keep that, Mm -hmm. file that back so that if I have a question, I'm going to ask her. Now, Mm -hmm. Emily may not be the person to actually give you the advice, but she's probably a great resource to point you into a group that can help you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is important to think about your network. And, and I hear from stay-at-home moms, well, I, you know, I've been out of the workforce for a while. I don't have a network. Yes, you do. You, you have a network at school with the other moms that you know. You have a network in your neighborhood. You have your old professional network. Even if you're not cultivating that right now, you do have a network. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to think back and make sure that you're trying to find, again, it's just being interested in what other people are doing so that you understand what their background is and their context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you leverage your you leverage your network and you find people like you pick a target and then you find someone who can relate to you on that. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff out there on social media, there's a lot of podcasts. I find those to be super approachable ways because you don't even have to come up with questions at first. Yeah. Yeah. I love, you know, if you're a person who wants to learn about money, listen to on-air coaching calls, listen to people who talk in a way that you're like, "Hey, I get her and she gets me mm-hmm. from my lifestyle." Because they're going to anticipate and they're going to ask the same questions that you have. Mm-hmm. So that's again going to help you build your confidence to be uncomfortable and ask the question. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Um, like you said, you go, like leverage your network and go find those people. I, I feel like when it comes to mentors and advisors, you do have to be intentional. I mean, I wanted to find, have a mentor for years and like they did, they don't just magically show up. They don't just organically take an interest in you. And so to decide here's where my, here's where I need to grow in. Let me find somebody that can help me grow in this area is really, really important. As you're talking, I'm thinking about, I have a junior in high school. I would love to start talking to some of my friends who've been through that college process of like paying for college. I mean, my desire is to pay for college with the littlest possible loans as possible. And also not to foot the bill entirely because I want my kids to have skin in the games. And so I would love to I really, if I want to find out what other people are doing, I need to look around my neighborhood and find out those people that have gone before me, who has a friend, who has an older child. And I just say, hey, how did you approach this? And, and ask them and not be scared to yes. um, make that move because they're just not going to magically come share that with me. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No, it, nobody's an open book. And, and, you know, I'm giving like an indirect answer as to like how to do it because I mm-hmm. think it really, it depends on the vibe, right? Yeah. So much of it depends on your comfort level, having that conversation with that individual, whether it's yeah. a financial advisor, whether it's your neighbor, whoever, but if you can approach someone and say, and, and you don't want to like, you got to be careful, right? Because you don't want to be like, did you guys take out debt? Here's my philosophy and here's my goal. And I, I don't know much about the process. Anything that you can share with me would be so helpful. And then they can say anything they want to, right? Because yeah. you haven't said, I want you to help me solve this problem or tell mm, me that's good. what you did. You're saying, hey, just, I want to just have a conversation about this in a really open way. And, and then I also find that when you have those conversations, and even if that person can't help you, again, they're going to have someone that can relate. You're one step Mm -hmm. closer to that person who you can build a network with. Now, I want to talk specifically about financial advisors because I think that that's an area of discomfort for some people. Mm -hmm. And I just want everyone to know that like a Google search to find a financial advisor that, you know, you meet their threshold 
or whatever to talk with um, does not mean that that's the person that you have to work with. You should interview financial advisors and you should expect to interview more than one and that some of them you will not get along with. It is so mm-hmm. important when it, when it comes to money that you feel confident personally as well as their competency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can you expect from a financial advisor when you work with one? So a financial advisor, you know, they run the gamut and it really just depends on their. So I think some of it is understanding their personality and then some of it is understanding their process. So one of the things I find women struggle with is like, well, I don't know what to expect. I don't, he's not calling me or she's not calling me to talk about this. And I don't know what, but that might not be the way that they operate their business. Financial advisors operate very differently. Some of them you might hear from in a phone call often. Some of them you might get an email from once a year to say, hey, everything looks good. You know, so understanding what they expect in making sure that it aligns with your expectations Mm -hmm. or communication, I think Mm -hmm. is the first step. Mm -hmm. And then it's making sure that wherever, again, whatever your target is, your area of money focus that you want to improve your knowledge about. Make sure that they're having a conversation with you about that. So, you know, there are plenty of financial advisors who will talk about money mindset. There are plenty who will help you with cash management advice and they Mm. will give you templates for a budget and things like that. But there are plenty who won't also. Yeah. And so just it's picking that area of focus that you are at. And so if you're, if you've got budgeting down, if you've got investing down, maybe that's higher level investing and looking into different college options to make sure that you're doing it um, most efficiently with your, with your money. Mm-hmm. But for somebody else, they might be at a different step and they need a different advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap up. I have two more questions. Um, one is what is one business or financial strategy that women can start to implement in their lives right away? What do you think the so, first step is or your favorite one? Yeah. So I think my favorite is really, you know, track your spending, track your spending, track your spending. And again, I know some people are saying, well, we make enough money. We don't have to track our spending, but you do. Um, and it's, it's for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And once you track your spending, you will feel stronger about the way you spend your money. And when, and that will empower you Mm-hmm. to learn about money, to make decisions about money, to just really gain control over your finances and therefore your life. Mm-hmm. So when you track your spending, you track it down to pretty much the dollar. It's not a, you know, under 20 bucks doesn't count type thing because 25, $25, they really add up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, just making sure that you have that foundation for value, values in your family. And then comparing it and then doing that next step to compare, does my spending match my values? Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. And doing that will start to make you think about your family as a business because you will act more strategically. It will literally change, like transform your thought process about how you engage with money and how you teach your kids about money. That's the, I know you said one, but the Mm -hmm. second one is talk to your kids about money as early as you can. Like literally have conversations, like the the stuff you think in your head, that's, that's a decision about money. Say it out loud in front of your kids because we are not having enough conversations with our kids Mm -hmm. about money. And that is the easiest way to make it natural is literally to make it a dialogue. 
all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so one last thing I want you to tell us about your podcast and for those women that are looking for a mentor, a virtual mentor, where can we find your podcast and what's it all about? Yep. So I've recently launched the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast. And I'm so excited about it because, you know, it's it's designed to consider the motherhood piece first and then add on the money and career and really to talk to experts and real women who mm-hmm. are living through money challenges just like everyone to, mm-hmm. to really do exactly build some of that community. Sometimes if you can't build it in your living room, you can build it online. And that's really yeah. what I want to do through the podcast. And, you know, through my business, I help women really implement the business and financial strategies in their homes so that everyone can live their best life and stop letting money run you and start running you and your family's lives. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation and I learned a lot. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. You can find Janice at www.moneycareermotherhood.com. She's also on Facebook and Instagram as Money Career Motherhood. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. Build Your Best Family has a great website, but do you know an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she's got a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're all done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about Build Your Best Family, go to BuildYourBestFamily.com.